At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, this podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and let me tell you a quick story about my dealings with the master group. We were changing a heat exchanger on a York rooftop uh, two, three weeks ago, perhaps. And usually we take the, there's there's a plate called a shoot-through plate. And usually if it's okay from the existing machine, we just move it into the in, into the new heat exchanger because it's a, it's a pretty solid plate and it doesn't really rust out too often or, or corrode away too often. But this one was was highly corroded, and we didn't have one, and I didn't know what it was called, and we needed to find one to get one into the machine. So I called my local master group supplier, and I called our local sales rep, and within like half hour to 40 minutes, they both called me back with answers. So they both went to work, did the digging, and they found me the part, they got it on order, and they brought it in as fast as they could so we could get this heat exchanger job done. So that is, that is my dealings. That's just one of the stories. And I think more stories like that need to come out about the way the counter salespeople are there to help us in the industry. So guys, I'm proud to say that this podcast is sponsored by the master group. Go to master.ca and check them out. What's up guys. Welcome back to the podcast. We are going to talk mini split installation on this podcast. Mini splits are very popular and the popularity of them are growing in North America. We have a great guest for you. We have Jerry Wagner. He is the VP of Tradewinds Climate Systems Inc. Now we're going to talk about the GRE lineup of products because that's kind of what Jerry's involved in is GRE. And we're going to talk about installation steps going from the beginning, um, some training and stuff like that, and some webinars that Jerry's put together through the installation process right right to startup. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Let's get to Jerry. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast, guys. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. So I would really like to talk to you. So on on LinkedIn, your title is VP of HVAC technical training. And, and that's why I'm reaching out to you because I've seen some videos online that you've done um, talking about the installation of mini splits. And I'd really like to get your your point of view on that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, wh- where do you want to start? <laughs> I guess the only place to start with anything is at the beginning, right? So, I mean, if if somebody goes out and purchases a mini split for a customer and now it's that they, they get the delivery it's sitting in their in their shop what what is the, the first step here before we go out and install this thing yeah well i i guess to be very self-serving uh i would say training right <laughs> uh as the yeah. trainer as the trainer for the product here in the united states uh 
uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a believer in training. Uh, there, there should be some understanding of the process uh, before one starts the process. Here, here's the deal, unfortunately. Uh, I always say this about mini splits, that for some reason, uh, they have not never gotten the same respect that uh, ducted what some people call unitary systems have gotten. You know, I, I always say that Contractors, and I was one for 23 years in New York and New Jersey, contractors would consider it mechanical and maybe even financial suicide to take a unitary job, a, a, a ducted project, um, a new construction project that, that involved a, a unitary system without somebody in that process doing a proper ACA Manual J heat gain, heat loss calculation and someone in that process utilizing a ductilator in order to correctly size the duct. Uh, again, it would be, it, it, no one would consider taking a job like that, or no one in their right mind anyway. Uh, yet somehow with mini splits, mm -hmm. you know, people just think it's kind of, oh, I'm going to slap this evaporator on the wall, the outdoor unit's on the other side, and everything's good in the world. And sometimes that is true, but nothing is ever that simple. The, 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 they, re, they deserve and they require the same respect that we've given to unitary systems for, for decades. And sometimes trying to get that uh, people to understand that uh, is a little difficult. I, I think this um, misrepresentation, quite frankly, has started with the homeowner. For whatever reason, and I don't know how this happened, but homeowners tend to lump mini splits with window units, right? I, I think they, they kind of categorize them in the same way. And mini splits are far from, from window units. Uh, like I say, it takes planning, it takes proper sizing. Uh, inverter systems are very forgiving, but at the same time, uh, they still require uh, the designer and the installer's uh, skills and talents as a professional HVAC tradesperson to select the right equipment and to uh, size it and to design the placement of the evaporators in the outdoor unit properly and to ultimately make sure that everything is working properly and efficiently. So um, I guess that's you know kind of been my goal over the last five years with Gray is to try to uh, get a better understanding out in the in the general trade and also just in the general public that uh, these are not window units and they do require uh, a professional to install them. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, I have gone... I used to do a lot of Mitsubishi stuff back in the day, and that's probably like a word that you, you don't want to hear. No, <laughs> back no, in the day, I, give, I used to do it. I give of... respect where respect <laughs> is due. Mitsubishi is the, is the leader here in the United States, and, uh, and they earned that title, uh, definitely. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I used to do a ton of that stuff when I used to do a lot of install work myself, and, and there was a lot of planning. Like we would get um, – we, we, we would kind of lay out – and, and and this was this was multi-head systems and we would kind of lay out where the evaporators were going to go and the length of the, the run and stuff like that and they would generate these pipe sizing charts for us based on the length and, and i thought that was pretty cool and there was some some thought go that that went into it and and i did appreciate that so i mean if if we were going to take 
um, one of your systems and and just shove it in somewhere. What is the what is the applicate or what is the process before we figure out what size of unit we need to put in that space or that building or or whatever it is? Is is there a process that you use to to to, to size them up or the line sizing and whatnot? Well, as far as the heat gain calculation, you know, the ACA Manual J has become the standard in the industry, Manual J for for residential uh, applications. Mm -hmm. And that just gives you the BTU heat gain of the room, of the structure. And that's where one begins with the process of of selecting the correct equipment. Uh, As far as selecting what type of evaporator, you know, when mini splits first came to North America, it was limited to what we now call the high wall mount, which is what generally people think of when they think of many split the evaporator hanging on the wall. Of course, the early versions of these things, which was uh, Sanyo and very early uh, Mitsubishi, these things were really uh, quite fugly. As <laughs> I had a big polite, these things, yeah. <laughs> they were ginormous and they put this like wood grain contact paper on them. They thought that made it look better. And it was uh, re- really ugly to, to say the least. And there wasn't any real uh, process with uh, deciding uh, where they should go. They kind of, kind of just went anywhere that they would fit more than anything. And of course now, there are, with Gree anyway, five different uh, evaporators to choose from. There is the traditional high wall mount, but I won't say they're stylish, Gary. That would that would be an overstatement. But they, they do have um, – they blend a lot better. Let me just put it that way. I think that's probably the, the most accurate way to describe the uh, the high wall mounts nowadays is that they, uh, they're not as uh, uh, obtrusive as they, they used to be in the early days. But you also have a ceiling cassette which is essentially a flush mount unit. It, it looks very much like p- what people are used to with um, with conventional unitary systems. It, lo- it looks like a return grill or a supply grill. Uh, so it's uh, yeah. somewhat of a, a familiar look. There's ceiling mount units, there's floor mount units, uh, and there's ducted units, which are completely hidden, can be put above a, a drop ceiling or above a, a sheet rot ceiling into a soffit area, into a closet, uh, and with the GRI unit, an external static pressure of 0.8, which is the best in the biz, you could actually run a fair amount of duct off of this thing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Gary. I, I used to resist the ducted units because as the guy in the Northeast that was flying the duckless flag very early in my career and kind of taking a lot of heat, <laughs> excuse the pun, uh, because of it uh, in, in a hydronic market here, uh, I really felt talking about a ducted uh, evaporator kind of made me look like a hypocrite. But I have found many, many good applications for the ducted unit. And the one I always talk about is the is the dog grooming salon, right? There seems to be a nail salon for the ladies and a dog grooming salon uh, at, on every corner here in the Northeast. And the dog grooming salons are, uh, it's a contaminated workspace. Think about it. There's fur flying, flying around eight hours a day. And for a standard yeah. Yeah. for a standard high wall mount, that's that's a problem. You're going to be cleaning a, an evaporator coil. You're going to be cleaning a blower wheel every thirty days. The ducted unit completely out of harm's way. You could use a conventional 
uh, filter rack like you would with a unitary system. And so there's a number of uh, great applications for, for all the different types of evaporators. M- bottom line, Gary, I guess is what I'm getting to is that uh, a lot of choices to be had now, both by the designer, by the installer and by the homeowner. Yeah, I've I I have I have installed uh, the cassette type that you're talking about too, and I think they look pretty slick sitting yeah. in a in a drop ceiling. You you barely tell that they're there, and I do have some some experience with the ducted stuff as well. And like you said, it, you can totally hide that. It's right right up above like a ceiling space yeah. or a drop ceiling, and and you can totally hide the thing from for from from eyesight. Um, so yeah, I I have been involved with a couple of those options, and I have seen back in the day some of the um, you could probably tell me who I, I'm having trouble remembering who who had this, but they had like an, an artwork um, evaporator where you could put a, uh, artwork inside of it, and and then yeah. the, the air would fly out the sides or the top or the bottom. Yes, who was it, that again? That made that. That, one? that was LG. That's right, LG. Yeah, yeah. Correct. I used to call it, and 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 I don't know if those are around anymore. Are they? They are. They've gotten much better. The original one, Gary, was essentially a velvet Elvis, and I'm not kidding. It, the, the The picture was provided by LG, and it was it was a velvet Elvis for for lack of a better description. It was really kind of this odd. I, I even I have a hard time calling it artwork, but now you can put your own art into it, and. Gray in Europe and in uh, Asia, believe it or not, has a television, which is an evaporator. We don't we don't sell it here. We don't we haven't brought it to the United States, but uh, it is a uh, it is a flat screen TV that is an evaporator. <laughs> wow, yeah, that is pretty cool. So what what is what size like it come does it come in different sizes or is it one size? I, I'm sure it it does. Uh, like I said, we don't have it here, so I don't have all the details on it. But uh, Gray shows it at mm-hmm. the AHR show every year because that's an international show, and it always gets a tremendous amount of attention for the people who are building man caves and she sheds. Right? It's the it's the perfect evaporator for the man cave and the she shed. Wow, I'll have to I'll have to search that out online because that would be really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, once once somebody sort of does some training and they have a background and, and a history and and all that, now 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 we're back to the the shop, the the unit sitting in the warehouse, and they got to yeah. go to a job site to install it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess reading the manual is probably one of the first things we should be doing, right? Yeah, but of course nobody does that, right? Especially us guys. So uh, I, I I understand that, um, but again, the beauty of uh, my position. Well, l- let me just tell you about my position real quickly. Um, Pre-COVID, which <laughs> seems so long ago already, uh, I was traveling thirty-two weeks a year. Um, I have conducted uh, GREE mini split training classes in forty-seven of the fifty states, uh, five different countries. Um, so I was a road warrior, uh, pre COVID to say the least and enjoyed it very, very much. Um, so this whole COVID thing, um, having me stationary is really kind of, uh, uh, been a, uh, a life changer for me, uh, to say the least and adapting to this new world of, uh, webinars and, and what you're doing, Gary, with podcasts is, is all fairly new to me, uh, though I do feel like I'm adapting, uh, fairly well. But, uh, Gary, what was the question? (laughs) 
if <laughs> if if so we, we want to read the manual first we want to read the manual first and you said yeah, guys yes, don't it, do it, that it, but it, and, and so it's it's true a lot of a lot of a lot of us don't do it but it's it's very important that we do read the manual right yeah, I, I, absolutely. And again, I, I'm a realist, so I, I recognize most won't. So it, it's my job to uh, try and create alternatives to the manual, uh, maybe easier, more pleasant, um, more uh, attractive, if you, if you will, uh, alternatives to a, to a written manual. So right now I, I do two to three hour uh training webinars and there's four different subjects there's uh, system design and sizing there's installation and a troubleshooting part one and a troubleshooting part two all of which are available at greetraining.com in a video format so that's where i'm going with this gary is that uh if you don't want to read the manual uh for whatever reason you know what you can watch uh, all of my trainings in a video format at your leisure uh, and, uh, and get all the answers before you start putting a wrench to anything and, uh, you know, learn what you have to do before you, before you make a mistake. All right, guys, let's take a little break. Last night, Blue On did their first ever live event on Instagram and it was Stump Mike and Brian. Okay, with airflow questions. It was entertaining, it was educational, it was funny, it was the complete package. So they're gonna do more of these. So if you're not linked up with Blue On on social media, go to their Instagram, Facebook, and watch out for them advertising the next, the next one, the next live event. I was trying to listen, my kids were in the bath. It was loud as you know what, you got kids, you, you can totally understand that. When they were done, I watched and I tried to stump them with a bunch of questions and I couldn't. So they're on point. These guys know their stuff. All right. So download their app and get accredited and you have 24-7 access to their tech support line through the app. That's the Blue On app, guys. So how can we have a podcast about flaring and mini splits without talking about Navax battery powered flaring tool, the brand new one, the NEF6LM? which is badass. It is the quickest flare I've ever done. You set the pipe in the, in the block, you set the, the little pipe depth um, plate, move that out of the way, stick it in the gun, lock it and push the button. Your flare is done in like seconds. You stick it in the flare gauge tool, make sure your, your flare is, is made, made proper and you're off to the races. It is a completely awesome tool if you do a ton of flares. Testo 300 combustion analyzer is a badass combustion analyzer touchscreen. It's an Android tablet. You could watch YouTube videos on it if you wanted to, right? If you're connected to Wi-Fi, they have a hundred dollar gift card. If you buy the, if you purchase the tool, there's a hundred dollar gift card. Okay. And it's a mail-in rebate thing. So you got to buy the tool and then go to their site, print off the mail-in rebate or, or fill it out online and send it back to them and then you get your gift card these tools are available at true tech tools by the way eight percent eight percent off with code know-it-all okay interplay learning i posted a video the other day of um a fault a flame fault failure on a burner i took it off one of their youtube videos and if you guys don't know they have a youtube channel with a ton of educational videos with their sims okay so if you're learning um, if you want some continued education, go to their YouTube channel and check it out. And they offer um, $20 for an individual per month to get on all their Sims and check them out and, and whatnot. It's, it's, it's very cool stuff. And if you, if you want to get it for your, your guys at the shop, 
guys and girls at the shop. It's easily done, just contact interplay. So one last thing, Supco Trade Fox. I don't know if a lot of guys know what Trade Fox is. Trade Fox is a brand that takes technician invented tools, right? And helps helps sort of go through the invention process, the manufacturing process, and all that. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of how you take a tool idea, manufacture it and all that and get it out into the market. I don't I don't know that stuff, but they're into that helping technicians do it. If you have a tool idea, okay? And you think it's you think it's awesome, reach out to Supco because they're interested in helping techs take these tools to market. All right? So you guys will have to you guys will have to make the the strive to do that on your own. Okay? So check it out. That's Supco trade fox let's get back to jerry guys that's fantastic that you do that because a lot of us we find it mundane to sit down and read a boring manual that's that's technically written and stuff like that so watching a webinar i'm sure there's maybe pictures or video clips or something like that you've thrown in there right oh absolutely am i I right on right on absolutely it's very multimedia i use um uh video as well as PowerPoint, obviously. And it's interesting, Gary, it be, before uh, I signed on with you tonight to do this, I was looking at some of your other uh, podcasts from the past and different guests. And I noticed that you had Doug Donovan of Interplay Learning on at one time. I, I did, I, yeah. I used their product. In fact, we contracted uh, Doug and Interplay Learning um, about a year ago this time uh, to create troubleshooting simulations unique, specific to the GREE product. So now I have 34 different uh, simulations, troubleshooting simulations in the 2D and 3D format, 2D, which can be used on any laptop or desktop, 3D, if you or your kids have the uh, virtual reality hardware, the goggles and the and the hand pods, you could use those same simulations in the 3D virtual reality format, which is mind-blowing. And um, the 34 simulations represent 11 different possible error codes that could show up on these systems. And they've been wide, wildly successful for us. In fact, in the new year, we're going to be announcing a competition uh, where people uh, over an 11-week span, uh, each week we're going to have a competition representing a singular error code. And uh, people are going to be able to uh, uh, roll up scores by uh, positively and, and, and uh, solving different tasks, different problems in, the, uh, in these simulations. And each week we'll name three winners. And at the end of 11 weeks, we're going to ma- name the Top Gun troubleshooter for GREE in 2021. So we're really excited about that. So again, the answer to your question was quite long there, but yeah, my uh, webinars are very, very multimedia. That That is awesome because most of us in this world are visual learners and I, for one, am a visual learner. And it, it, I, take, I take visual learning to the next step where I actually in my mind, visualize like the refrigeration cycle and the and the red gas moving into the condenser and cooling. And I, I try to really visualize things like that. And and all of these visualizations from 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 school to training courses to being in the field have all helped me put those visualizations together. And and I think that the videos, interplay learning, and and your your PowerPoint 
um, images are really going to help with that over a manual. So good on you for, for, for putting that together for sure. Yeah. And, um, Interplay, so now Interplay is just a great company. They are, they are the leader in that technology when it comes to HVAC. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I just actually posted a, a, a little clip on my Instagram and Facebook today from one of their YouTube videos on troubleshooting a, uh, a flame failure fault on a furnace, just a clip from the video, uh, because I, I think what they're doing over there is is completely awesome and innovative beyond um, any type of training I've ever seen before. So so it's it's, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, the, the four points you talked about was design. Uh, we kind of touched on that um, with the manual J and stuff, yeah. and then the installation. So we should probably go move on to that part of it. So if we're going to install one of these things, let's just take a standard um system like one one condensing unit and and one wall hung evap like what are we going to do here what's our first step well when it comes to placement of the uh the indoor unit the high wall mount gary you know i'm an installer and um i don't think there's anything wrong in making our lives as installers as easy as possible and so I, I gravitate to installing the high wall mount evaporator on an outside wall. And the reason why I do that is quite simple, is nine times out of 10 on the other side of that wall is going to be your outdoor unit. Everything is in very close proximity to each other. Uh, your drainage of your condensate, mm-hmm. again, will just be poking through that wall and it's a gravity drain. No pump will be required. So again, it just it just simplifies the installation uh, very much when we can install the uh, the high wall mount indoor unit on an on an outside wall, it just kind of keeps everything in pro- close proximity, uh, keeps line sets nice and neat. We do need a minimum of ten feet. I get a lot of pushback from time to time on that, you know, because guys will say to me, "Well, you know what, Jerry? I did exactly what you told me to do. I put it on an outside wall. The outdoor unit's just on the other side of the wall. Heck, I I don't need seven feet. What am I going to do with ten feet?" And I, I always tell people, stop the whining. You know, there's, there's always a way to find a home for the seven feet. And I actually refer them to my my LinkedIn. That's how you find found me, Gary. If, if you look at my LinkedIn, I pretty much on a daily basis are posting something related to this product, related to this technology. And my most recent project was my own new office and studio here in, in Pennsylvania, where uh, I... Again, I didn't need 10 feet either, but I created a trap, which I was able to do very uh, professionally, very cleanly. I was able to hide it behind the outdoor unit so it wasn't seen uh, from um, a, a straight on view, if you will. So my, my, my point being is that there's always a way to um, to accommodate the 10 the foot minimum and, and there's no cutting corners there. Anything less than 10 feet you're risking flooding the evaporator. You're risking uh, liquid at the compressor and liquid at the compressor. Uh, I need to say no more, right? That That's catastrophic. So the 10 foot minimum uh, is a hard number and, and, and there's really uh, no excuses not, not to maintain that. There, there's always something you can do to gain a few feet. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, because it, I, I guess that if you're less than 10 feet, you're not going to get the super heat you're not going to get absorption in the the heat and the, the suction line maybe going back to the compressor is is that maybe one of the reasons why oh yeah is, is there what, what are the reasons behind it yeah absolutely um again you, you always have to remember with these inverter systems gary that the expansion valve 
is in the outdoor unit. It's not in the indoor unit. And that, that changes everything with these systems. Uh, and that's why sometimes it's hard for guys who have exclusively done unitary systems, conventional ducted systems, where the TXV is inside the house, at the evaporator, at the A-coil, with these inverter systems, everything is opposite to that. All of a sudden, the liquid line, eh, you know what? It ain't so liquid anymore. It's really, it's really liquid vapor. And it all comes down to the placement of the expansion valve in the outdoor unit. So again, uh, sometimes uh, it's hard to get guys to uh, kind of rethink things a little bit. A lot of guys think they're going to bring their unitary knowledge into this world, and it does them more harm than good, actually. Yeah, you made an interesting point about the the metering device. Like I, I myself haven't done much in the way of, of ductless split in the, in the last little while, but having the metering device in the outdoor unit, um, that's what I was going to ask you. Like we used to call the the line going from the condensing unit to the indoor unit. We used to call it a vapor line because basically it's part of almost it's like part of the evaporator, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Com- completely different here, though. Uh, you know, again. Uh, we call it the liquid line, but I always tell guys that calling it the liquid line is really a bit of an oxymoron. Uh, we have to call it something so we can continue to call it the liquid line. But the fact of the matter is uh, it's really liquid vapor at that point. It also explains why, you know, the what I call the great mystery of the inverter mini split, right? Why only one service valve? I think that's generally the first thing that kind of uh, makes guys' eyes open when they first see an inverter mini split is, you know, what, where am I supposed to get my high side presser? There's, there's no, there's no high side valve on that thing. There's only a single valve. And again, if you think about where that expansion valve is, having a second one based upon where the expansion valve is would do you no good whatsoever. The pressure would be identical at the two valves and it would actually cause more confusion. It would imply that there is something. Oh, different. yeah. It would imply that there's something different there and there isn't. So that, you know, I always say, hey, you know, that wasn't Jerry Wagner making an industry decision. Each one of these companies have made that decision only to use the singular valve. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, it's very interesting uh, how that the movement of the expansion valve to the outdoor unit, how that really changed everything. And, and it really does. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. There was, um, I don't remember the exact, how these valves were exactly placed, but it's it's going back to the one valve thing. And then I opened up the panel of this. I can't remember what brand it was, a particular mini split. And there was another valve inside of the, the unit. And yeah, I was pull. I went to pull a vacuum on, on the line set that I ran. But what I did was, is I hooked it up <laughs> to the condensing unit side not the piping side so i pulled a vacuum on the refrigerant that was in the system Ooh. and i didn't even realize so when i went to go open the valve up i opened up the valve i'm like there's no pressure in here what's going on there must be a leak i spent time f- trying to find the leak and then i realized what i did i had pulled a vacuum on the existing refrigerant in the system yeah and i'm like oh my god and i called my uh i called my my service manager at the time and i told him what i did and then i had to go uh, pull another vacuum on it because I had broke it trying to open the thing up, and then I had to go charge it with my own gas from 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 the van instead of the hose sure. in the condensing unit. But sure. that was that was a learning curve, and that was back in the early days of me installing equipment and stuff. But I mean, we all we all go through stuff like that. 
The the only time I've seen that, Gary, I so, think, I, if I may, I, I think the product was a Medea product, which is another uh, Chinese mini split. I've seen that with Medea uh, where you have to, uh, and I think this is what you described, you literally had to take the skin off of the outdoor unit to find that buried valve inside the unit. And, uh, and that was something that Medea, and I think they still do that. Do they? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting the way some people or some companies do do it differently so so we we've we've hung the 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 wall mount on on an outside wall we've got our 10 feet of pipe so in in running our pipe um what precautions should we be taking here like to keep it clean and are we are you we want to ream the pipe but we want to make sure that we're not getting filings in and and stuff like that so what sort of precautions we going to take when we're running our piping here well, with inverter mini splits, uh, and certainly with the Gree product, your connections of the refrigerant lines, Gary, both at the indoor and the outdoor unit are, are flared connections. And, and that too is something that throws some guys for a loop who are strictly used to unitary conventional ducted systems where everything is brazed, right? Um, it, sometimes the flare is a real turnoff for whatever reason. Um, but um, virtually all the inverter mini splits, no matter who, who makes them, are all utilizing the, the flare connection. And um, that is just really a matter of getting the proper flaring tool um, and, and, and using it properly. I'm a big fan of the Yellow Jacket uh, Deluxe Flaring Tool. That's actually what they call it. Yellow Jacket's the manufacturer. Deluxe Flaring Tool is, is the actual model. And it's claimed the fame is that it has a tubing stop. If, if you use the tubing stop as it's intended, you cannot overflare. Now, I always say nothing is idiot-proof because idiots try real hard. And if you push the tubing stop out of the way... Well, then it becomes a flaring tool like all others, and you can potentially overflare. But if you use the stop as it's intended, it won't allow you to overflare. And you're essentially making a perfect flare each and every time. Another thing I, I like to do is I don't like using pre-flared uh, line sets, you know, that you can buy in 25 feet, 50 foot, 7,500 foot lengths, uh -huh. and it comes pre-flared from a factory somewhere. You know, we we being Gree, we supply you with, uh, with flare nuts, uh, with our product. And if you put them up against a flare nut on, on a, uh, pre-flared, uh, line set, our, our flare nuts, much beefier, a lot of material there, much more substantial. Uh, so I strongly recommend, um, cutting off those flares. Don't use them use our flare nut and make a correct flare with a good flaring tool. And there's any a number of things nowadays too, which help you prevent leaks with, with flares. Things like products like Nylog. We talked about this, Gary, before we, uh, we, we started uh, talking tonight. I'm a big fan of Nylog. And I think you were saying that refrigeration, what is it? Refrigeration Industries? Technologies. Refrigerant tech, uh, refrigeration technologies. technologies. Yeah. Uh, they're a sponsor of you. I'm a big fan of, of Nylog. Uh, another item that I've become a big fan of is uh, from my friends at Rector Seal. They call it Flare Tight, where it's essentially a gasket, if you will, which sits in between the two components of, of the flare. You know, 
Another ingredient to a leak-proof flare is to torque it correctly. You know, that has always been the weakest link in the flare process. A lot of guys could make a good flare, um, but virtually nobody was torquing them to the manufacturer's specification. And the reason why is who the heck's carrying around a torque wrench, right? You know, those of us who are motorheads, I've had a torque wrench probably since the eighth grade, but an automotive torque wrench, when you look at it, when you think about it, all it accepts is a socket. Well, a socket isn't going to help you on a flare, right? You you have to have an open-ended. So now there's a bunch of companies now making crescent-type torque wrenches. I'm a big fan. CPS makes one. I think they call it the Black Max. Uh, who's the other one? Hillmore uh, uh, just turned me on to a product very similar, uh, a crescent wrench. That's a torque mm-hmm. wrench. And Yellow Jacket. And, uh, Yellow, Yellow Jacket makes one Yellow too. Jacket and- again. I, I, yeah. Yellow Jackets is more traditional. Very, it, it, it almost looks like an automotive one, but instead of a socket, it accepts an over up, open-ended, uh, it, it, again, it just it looks like an open-ended wrench, but it accepts that, that different head, different sizes. So uh, torquing it correctly uh, unfortunately, very rarely done, but it, but it very important and will ensure, you know, no callbacks uh, for leaking flares. So do you recommend that you use a flaring tool that, that makes a 45 degree flare? Yeah, it's, you know, the, the uh, and, and I don't have this committed to memory, Gary, maybe you do, the, the, the flare uh, for the uh, R, uh, R410A is a unique uh, angle and I think it is 45 degree and so yeah uh, you, you, you need that's to, right yep. yeah you need to use the the correct uh, angle uh, for the uh, for the r410a yeah because that that's the question that I get anytime I have a flaring tool that I'm kind of demoing or, or testing or showing off that one of the first questions is does it do a 45 degree flare yeah. and yeah I mean I'll, most most of these flaring tools that are coming onto the market today are 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 being able to make these 45 degree flares for the 410 um systems so so that that's that's another important thing as well and and as far as nylog goes yeah i've, I've been using nylog for about 15 16 years and and fortunately enough they they came on as a sponsor of of the podcast a couple of years ago and i i just love i'm in i'm in love with the product like there's a there's a a, a tagline that's kind of stolen from frank's red hot but we always say like on social media we put that shit on everything so <laughs> i mean and, and and a lot of us do i i use it on like caps for tx valves for um hot gas bypass valves for uh for schrader caps when i i was changing up my hose hose seals on the weekend when I was cleaning up my van and I plop a little bit of nylog in, in the little seat where the seal sits on my hoses and, and I shove the seal in and I just kind of turn it around and it just kind of lubricates that seal and it keeps it um, from drying out and it keeps it from binding when you're attaching it to systems, I find. So yeah, it, it's an amazing product and it definitely does help along with um, making the correct flare and like you said, using a torque wrench. And I, I, like, I honestly wish I did more mini split stuff because 
with all the tools on the market now, the, the, the flaring tools, the torque wrenches and the use of like a product like Nylog, I, I'm dying to get out there and make some more flares. And any chance I, I have to make one, I get all excited. I'm like, yes, nice. <laughs> I get to make a flare today. So Gar- but it, Gary, doesn't, it, does, it doesn't vary. It doesn't happen very often. You need to get out a little bit more, baby, if you're getting excited about making a flare. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because because I don't make any. That's I know, why. I know. I'm teasing. You. And I have all these cool. I have all these cool tool, tools in my truck to make them, and I never get to use them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we've made we've made our flares. We've yeah. connected the system up. Now we we want to pressure test these things. Like, what do you recommend we we go on a on a pressure test? Like, how high do we want to go? Yeah, sh- sure. Uh, Gree wants us to go. <clears throat> excuse me, to 500 psi of nitrogen, and. Uh, and I'll get a little, I'll get a little, I won't say pushback, but guys will be a little surprised by 500 PSI. They'll say, you know, wow, that's kind of excessive, don't you think? Is, is it even dangerous? And is there certainly no danger involved? Uh, you know, the, 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 the equipment itself is, is rated uh, far in excess of 500 uh, PSI. So, so that's, that's not an issue at all. If, you know, if you ever wondered why manufacturers have these high pressure test uh requirements like 500 PSI, it's really quite simple. If you have a leak at 500 PSI, Gary, pretty good you're going to hear it. <laughs> you know, your, your, your best diagnostic yeah. tool is probably yeah. going to be your ear, right? So that's really why uh, they pressure test to 500 PSI. And uh, doing it with nitrogen, you know, obviously requires a cylinder of nitrogen, a, a regulator on that tank, and then just your standard manifold gauge set, and you're, you're good to go. We, we like to have that pressure hold for an hour at least. You know, I, I always say no one, mm-hmm. no one knows better than I that time is money, and, and I absolutely appreciate that, and I understand that. Uh, but uh, a minimum of 30 minutes, ideally 60 minutes. But, uh, you know, I always say that the pressure test with nitrogen to 500 PSI is not the end all. I have had many systems, many systems that have held 500 PSI, but would not hold the vacuum. Absolutely. So to me, the ultimate uh, leak test is is vacuuming, is, is evacuation. And, uh, you know, that's where I think the weak link has always been, not only with many splits, but with unitary, with with, with, uh, standard conventional systems as well. I think many of us, I would even venture to say the majority of us have never used the correct components to uh, do a proper evacuation. We're using our standard manifold gauge set. And we do that because the darn thing has, you know, it'll register... A, a vacuum. But the bottom line is most of us don't realize that those standard hoses, first of all, they're very small diameter. It's going to take forever to pull a vacuum with those things. And they're porous. They were never intended to hold a vacuum. Mm-hmm. They're actually porous. So here's where I'm going with this, Gary. Uh, I, I, I'm also a big fan of the Yellow Jacket people. Uh, they have a product called the Super Evac Manifold. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I'm a big, big fan of it. It I actually have. becomes an yeah, I have one. Yeah, right. It, it actually becomes an integral part of the um, of the pump, and there are two ball valves on the manifold itself, which segregates the pump from the vacuum. Once you pull the vacuum down to five hundred microns, is 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 what uh, 
is what Gree is looking for. The one of the most common phone calls I get, Gary, from our, our installers is, uh, "Hey, you know, Jerry, I'm going crazy here. Every time I turn the pump off, I lose my vacuum." And my answer to that is, "Yeah, no shit." Doesn't surprise me, right? Because the pump was designed to pull a vacuum. The pump was never designed to hold a vacuum. You need to segregate the pump from the vacuum once you've hit your magic number. 500 microns. And that's what that manifold does. It segregates the the, the pump from the vacuum. And uh, it, it also, it, it, it reduces your evacuation time by 50%. Because if you look at the hoses that come with that manifold, much, much bigger, uh, a completely different composite. They're, they're not porous. And uh, I don't know, obviously I'm a big fan of it and, and I've been using it for years and I just encourage everybody to use that product because uh, it just makes doing a correct evacuation so much easier and so much quicker. Yeah, I, I agree to get, I agree a hundred percent to get rid of the, the manifold gauges when you're pulling a vacuum. And I, I agree on, on the hoses. They're not meant to be, no. charging hoses are not meant to pull a vacuum with, uh, especially like a deep vacuum. Yeah. And I just did a, a video of me pulling down a chiller. Have you ever seen the true blue hoses from AccuTools? No, I don't think so. Okay. So I just pulled a, I, I pulled, I had to go through this whole process with a chiller and I, I can tell you real quick. Um, so it was a 75 ton circuit that we pulled all the gas out. It was like 227 pounds of R22. And basically we changed some valving, we changed the compressor and we had some acidic oil in there and blah, 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 blah. And so time to pull a vacuum after the pressure test. And the true blue hoses are basically um, PVC uh, three quarter inch vacuum hoses. Mm -hmm. And they come with industrial stainless steel, stainless steel clamps. So you clamp them together and you run them from the the system right to the pump there's no there's no t involved or anything like that because the, the pump i was using which was the navac 12 cfm has the the fittings right on the pump there's a half inch three eighths and quarter inch so okay the the true blue setup comes comes with a stainless steel t and off the t you can you can add a half inch um port or a half inch service port and you put that directly onto the pump and then I use core removal tools that it comes with. Remove the cores because those are restrictions as well. Sure. And then and then pull the vacuum that way. And then, then once you get down to your 500 or, or, or below, you close the, the 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 core ball valves just like you were saying with with the the um, the yellow right. jacket T right. or the um, the evac manifold. You close the ball valves and then you do your rise test and make sure that you're not rising up. Right. And then then what I do at that point is I, I start slamming refrigerant and usually on an auxiliary service port. And then I pull my micron gauge off when I hit a little bit of positive pressure. And then I take the vacuum setup down once I'm at like a slight positive, and then I just continue charging. So those, those are cool hoses as well. They might be overkill for like a, a three ton mini split, but yeah. I mean, those are, those are some high end hoses that, that pull a really good vacuum. I'm going to have to check that out, Gary. I haven't, I haven't seen them. Yeah, if you you can buy them in kits. I think you can for a mini split. You can buy the one hose kit. Okay. Because you can get a one hose kit, or you yeah. can get a two hose kit. So for a mini split with the with the only one service port, the one hose kit would would work wonders, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Very good. So once yeah, so we now got we've that done vacuum the evacuation down, and and, and it, yeah. 
uh, you know, the the next step is um, we want we want to open we want to open up that ball valve, right? For the for the refrigerant, or is there something before that we should be doing? No, no, you're you're, you're all set to go once you've uh, pulled in and held the vacuum. Um, our outdoor units, the uh, the Gree units, Gary, come pre-charged with a very very generous amount of R410 already in them. The single zone systems come pre-charged to 25 feet of line set, and the multi zones. Uh, it varies, but uh, anywhere from um, 33 feet all the way up to 131 feet of pre-charge. So very, very generous amount of, uh, of R410 comes directly in the unit from the factory. And if you stay, if you keep your line set within that pre-charge, the fact of the matter is you know, after evacuation, you're just opening up valve, baby, and the way you go. You know, there's no need to extract and there's yeah. certainly no need to add to it. So it becomes uh, becomes quite easy at that point. So if 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 you only have that minimum 10 feet, but the line that the charge is good up to 25 feet, is there some sort of receiver or something in the condensing unit that takes the extra refrigerant? No, great question. Um, no, or, or is it? Something yeah. very, very unique to the GREE product is in our multi-zone systems, two accumulators. On, on purpose by design, two accumulators, and in our single zone nice. systems, okay. one big ass accumulator, <laughs> purposely oversized. So something very unique to the Gree product is if you don't run a line set equal to the pre-charge, the good news is you do not have to remove refrigerant. Something very, very unique to the Gree product. And our installers love it because, you know what, Gary, you can appreciate this. As installers, we've got a lot on our plate when we're commissioning a system. And to have that taken away, one less thing to worry about, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. No, that, that that makes a lot of sense to, yeah. to have those in there um, because that'll help with, with the flood back of any liquid and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So that's that's cool that you guys are doing that. So so now now we're up and now we just turn the thing on and then... Bob's Bob's your uncle, and we <laughs> we have a cool house. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, we didn't talk at all about the uh, the electrical aspects of it. Uh, obviously, uh, we well, maybe not. Obviously, Greet that's true. Greet produces systems that are 115 volt and also 230. Um, I love that they still make 115 volt systems. Some manufacturers have uh, abandoned the 115 volt market, which I'll never quite understand. Uh, there, we, we, we have a, a very uh, good, robust uh, amount of sales uh, in the 115 volt market. And to me, uh, it, it's obvious why. You know, when I was still, you know, going to homes and and uh, and installing these things and quoting these jobs, um, one of the first things I would do is make a beeline for the breaker box to determine if there was enough spare breaker spots. I need two spots if it's a 230 volt. And, and oftentimes uh, th- that wasn't available. The homeowner was not interested in upgrading that service for me. Uh, and uh, if there was one spot, I could offer them all the same bells and whistles, high sear ratings, inverter compressors, uh, electronic expansion valves with a 115 volt system. So I've, I've always felt that GREE uh, gives us a great advantage by uh, by still offering the 115 volt. But so obviously, look, it's not magic. You know that we, we got to bring a, a power source to the outdoor unit. And then the outdoor unit powers the indoor unit through a 14, four, 14 gauge four conductor cable, simply getting terminal one to one, two to two, three to three, four to four between the indoor and outdoor unit. And then you are ready to rock and roll. <laughs> 
Nice. Nice. So we turn this thing on, we turn this thing on and we want to commission it. So what are some things we're looking for during the commissioning of, of the machine? Well, you know, generally just going through the, uh, the functionality of the wireless remote uh, with the Gree product, all of the high wall mounts come with a wireless controller. You can purchase something more traditional wall mounted. We call them wired controllers. You know, they, they look rather traditional, but the standard, um, what comes with the evaporator evaporator is a wireless uh, control and really just going through the functionality of it, uh, how to put it in the heating mode, how to put it into the cooling mode, fan only, the different uh, positions of the damper. The homeowner does not have to live with the preset damper positions. And what I mean by that is how the air is uh, is coming out of the uh, evaporator itself, the direction it's taking. The homeowner could adjust that any way they wish. Um, so, you know, obviously uh, setting the uh, the magic number, the set point, uh, whatever our customer uh, finds as their comfort number, be that 70, 72 degrees, uh, setting that and just kind of letting it go from there and being sure everything is uh, uh, working properly before you leave the job. And pretty much it's uh, get paid time after that. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've installed a few, a few of these um, in, in some homes on the side, just, just helping out a friend and and um and and I, and I did it exactly the way you said it was outside wall uh condensing it sitting out on a patio stone or outdoor unit we should say if they're heat pumps sitting on sitting on a patio stone line set flares communication wire uh main power and and boom like they are pretty once you get going on them they are pretty simple machines to install i mean there, there's work involved yeah. The actual process of installing them, once you get going and, and learn it, they, they are pretty straightforward, right? Oh, yeah. No no, no question about it. It, it is a repeatable process. Uh, obviously, uh, as you know, uh, there are many different variations nowadays with, with multi-zone systems, you know, GREE uh, with their Multi 21 Plus and the Multi Ultra up to five evaporators on a single outdoor unit, they're super multis up to nine. And then of course the VRF, you know, the variable refrigerant flow systems, which is a completely different animal uh, from what we've been talking about tonight. Uh, you know, my gosh, uh, you, you could have tens of evaporators on a single outdoor unit. But again, that is very much an engineered product. Um, though it is finding its way now into the residential market, larger homes, um, McMansions, as uh, some people call them, you know, um, uh, the, the the mini VRF systems are, are, are finding a uh, a place in the residential market for sure. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And 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 I mean, I guess we're we're gonna have to have like a whole other podcast on troubleshooting. I think because <laughs> you said you have two webinars, troubleshooting one and two. So I mean, I'm yeah. sure that they can get pretty in depth. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to do it again, Gary, for sure. And uh, we we could get into to that side of it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jerry, thank you very much. I um, I was it was it was great talking to you, and and I kind of approached you on LinkedIn and said, "Hey, you want to get on the podcast?" <laughs> but I I do that with pretty much everybody, and uh, sometimes they're like, "Ah, what podcast?" And then I don't hear from them again. But you agreed, and and I'm really happy we had this conversation. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I will be honest with you, Gary. I, w- I was curious about the whole podcast format. You know, again, I'm 
I'm still fairly new to even just the webinar thing. I'm, I'm very much, I've always found myself or felt that I was, uh, uh, where I shine as a trainer is, is to be in front of people. I, I, I have this weird quirk of my psychological makeup that I'm much more comfortable in front of a hundred people than I am in front of one. Uh, so, uh, mm-hmm. when I'm in front of a large group, uh, of, of live people, and that's what I miss so much about this COVID thing is that energy that you get from a live audience. Um, I'm coming around to the, to the webinar, uh, very much so, and I'm, I'm doing better, but I was also very interested in this podcast format. So, uh, I thank you very much for asking me. I, I enjoyed it for sure. And I hope we do it again. Oh, we, we definitely will. We we got two troubleshooting webinars to talk about. So. <laughs> Sounds great, man. We'll, we'll we'll schedule we'll schedule a time over the next couple of months and, and get you back. Sounds great, brother. I love it. That was great stuff, Jerry. I really appreciate that. And listen, I love talking to people that are passionate about the trade, and you obviously are. And I think that hopefully in the near future you're going to get back on that plane and start doing live training to all the people that give you that, that energy, that feedback that you love. And, and I, I hope that happens for you sooner than later. So thank you very much, my man. So here in closing guys, I put out a post and it, it was to sort of gauge the, the audience's opinions and, and to poke the bear a little bit and, and poking the bear is fine. I mean, sometimes you got to do that to draw people out of their, out of their cave and get their opinions and, and, and get their feedback, which, which I did. And this is about brazing. And, and I think at some point you're going to see a massive decline in brazing from manufacturers, from installers, um, to even service techs. The writing is already on the wall. Every time I go through my Instagram feed, there is somebody that's trying something else like a pro press or a zoom lock or some sort of compression fitting. Um, we're always talking about the quality of flares, right? For, for mini splits, VRF systems, there's zero brazing going on there. Okay. Uh, I'm just connecting the dots here, guys, right? Manufacturers, techs, installers, I think are going to start making this transition. Okay. Just from what I see right now, And if you can't see it, your eyes probably aren't wide open enough to see this transition happening already. Yeah, brazing is a skill, okay? But something that you guys got to understand is you could could teach someone how to braze in a day. You give them a pound of sylphos, a bunch of tanks of oxygen and acetylene. Guess what? By the end of the day, they're going to know how to braze. They might not be the best brazer in the world, but they'll know enough to seal up a joint. Okay. If you give them eight hours of practice. So it's a skill, but it's a skill that can be taught very, very easily and very, very quickly. The skill set that you need to, to keep in mind, the skill sets that are going to make you who you are, the tech you are, the installer that you are is, is knowing refrigeration, the science, thermodynamics, the science. Okay. Heat transfer controls, electrical airflow. These are the skills that you need to, that you need to concentrate on and you need to be the best at because anybody can braze a factory worker can braze, but a factory worker cannot come out in the field and start troubleshooting equipment because they don't have the fundamental background of all those skills I just mentioned. So if brazing goes away, guys, it doesn't mean that you're a less skilled technician. It just means there's a different way of doing things. 
And from what I understand, I haven't tried these pro press fittings at all, but there is a skill set to using the tool as well. So guys, keep this in mind. And if you have the opportunity to try something new, there goes my notifications. If, if you have the opportunity to try something new, don't go, ah, brazing. I'm, I'm good with brazing because that's, that's all I do. That's all I know. Don't do that because try it. Okay. Because one day the opportunity for, for you to braze might not be there and you might have to use this tool. Okay. From what I understand from conversation that I've, I've had with, with techs that some jobs are being specced, not even to light a torch because they don't want a torch lit in their building. All right. So just keep all this in mind, guys. Anyway, I'm out. Happy HVACing. All right, guys, another quick shout out to the master group. Thank you very much for sponsoring the podcast. You guys are awesome. Check out master.ca for more info. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.